0: From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-acceptance and discovery. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Jessica, a trans, bi, ace, computer programmer by day and D&D dungeon master by night. Everybody, welcome to the show, Jessica.
1: Hi. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Can't help but notice that you have an accent. It wasn't in your bio. Where are you located?
1: I am from the UK, more specifically the northeast of England. So I have a um, somewhat noticeable northern accent. Somewhat noticeable, right? Well, you know, if you're not from the UK, then yeah, probably.
0: (laughs) How do you identify and what are your pronouns?
1: Sure. Um, So, I mean, first off, my name is Jessica. Um, My pronouns are she, her. Um, I identify as um, transgender, femme. Uh, But also um, asexual, um, bisexual, um, yeah, (laughs) Uh, collecting all the labels at the moment, apparently.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You want all of the letters of of the Alphabet Mafia, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm running out of space for my flags.
0: (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's great. Somebody already commented they love all the flags in the background. How did you choose your name?
1: oh that's a fun question um so yeah it's it's a it's a very sort of unique and privileged position to be in to kind of reinvent oneself in such a uh, such a way um and it's a very daunting moment um Mm -hmm. i really wanted to have a fairly run-of-the-mill name i wanted something that could be shortened so i could go by jess as an affectation Mm -hmm. um and I, I ended up with three names, um, of which Jess was one of them. Um, and that was the one that just felt right. Um, so I started telling people that's the name I wanted to to pick. And both my my mother and sister were quite shocked uh, because prior to my birth, um my parents had picked out both a masculine and feminine name for me, and it turns out unwittingly. I'd gone back to the name that they'd selected for me, um, which just added this extra dimension to the name, which was completely unintentional. so it just had to be it just had to be Jessica. Yeah, in fact, I'd actually intentionally not asked what name they had chosen because i I wanted to choose something that felt more like I had agency over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just it just turned out to be that name. so i gotta gotta have it both ways, really.
0: When did you first realize that you were trans? When did you realize that that was the label that fit for you?
1: Um, It was February of 2019. So just shy of three years ago. Is that right? Is that three years ago? Gosh, the last few years have just flown over. Kind of came a bit out of the blue. I think it was a culmination of a series of events over the previous six months. Um, But uh, yeah, that was the first day that I thought to myself... Yeah, I think the label of transgender is the experience that I'm having right now. I think that best describes how I feel about myself. Mm-hmm. And then,
0: with hindsight being 2020, what was it that you kind of, kind of could look back to your youth and trace as those little breadcrumbs that would lead to you being trans?
1: You know, when creating characters for video games or for, for, for role play or other things like that, I gravitated more to a feminine persona um, and never really had a good answer or understanding as to why. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're younger, it's very easy to be like, oh, well, you know, women are pretty. I will play a pretty woman because then I will get to look at said pretty woman a lot more often. But then, yeah, absolutely, with hindsight, it's, oh, no, no... My sweet- so much more to this than that <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah did you know uh, in your youth did you get challenged on that a lot when you would choose
1: female characters no about- it was that was more of a like an adolescent sort of just by myself playing video games kind of thing i think socially um i sort of you know being sort of um uh assigned masculine at birth um just kind of conformed into that gender role almost like a default uh not really giving it much thought Um, but i definitely feel like the year prior to my realization um the sort of idea of me as a masculine person and my understanding of my masculinity basically stopped having any meaning um and it's it's sort of my my understanding of my own gender just kind of fizzled into nothing um Hmm. And it was, yeah, it was a bit of an odd one. It wasn't something that was, like, concerning by any means to me or giving me great cause for thought. Um, but, yeah, I just didn't have a very strong relationship with masculinity.
0: What was it then that uh, cracked your egg? <laughs>
1: um, okay, so I, yeah, probably about six months prior to, to the egg-cracking moment, um, I started dabbling a bit in cross-dressing and it was very much a completely private, hidden from my housemate, hidden from my girlfriend, um, tell no one, do not get caught at any costs, you know, box of things hidden deep under the bed. Um, and it was something, something that I kind of played around with, uh, when I was alone in the house, um, and didn't really understand why I was doing it. There was a lot of shame attached to it, as this is like, this is not a normal thing to be doing, why are you doing this? But there's something here that is resonating with me, if it, if for no other reason than because I'm just getting a bit of a kick out of it. Uh, but after like putting a wig on for the first time, there was a few times where I thought, okay, well, maybe there's some sort of... there's some thrill to be had here. There was actually like a few moments where i looked in the mirror and went wow i really look like my mother this is remarkable um and i just really did not know how to process that
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i think it it all started fitting into into place at that point but it remained very much a subconscious thing it got a bit overwhelming um my housemate and i parted ways and i moved into my own place which afforded me more to dress without having to worry about, you know, someone running to the house and, oh my gosh, I've got a full face of makeup on, what am I supposed to do? Um, and the weight of all of that just started pressing down. Ultimately, I think the the, the three months prior, uh, my mental health started to, to decline, and I think the thing that worried me most about it, I couldn't figure out what, cause was there wasn't one thing i could point to and go okay i'm not feeling great about my- this therefore i know what i need to do to try and address this i know you know plan of action steps forward that sort of thing so it was just a bit of a free fall with no no cause or end in sight uh, and it it ultimately culminated in the day in question um i was round a friend's house uh we had a bit of a routine at the time where we would take turns hosting each other for dinner and and a film Uh, and it was his turn to host i'd pick the film and i think uh, i think it was john wick or john wick 2 a film which i've seen a few times and we were sat on his couch watching this film and i was so not present in the situation um that I actually lost my place in the film. I was like, I'm, I genuinely don't know where we are anymore. I know this film inside out. And it was just this realisation that I was just sat there, stewing through my own thoughts, just my brain a complete frazzle, and I just didn't know what was going on anymore. So at the end of the night, I apologised for really not being a good friend, not being very talkative, not being very involved in the moment and kind of having the evening that we'd set out to. Um, And I I left to go get public transport home, and there was a 20-minute walk. And on that 20-minute walk, I just mentally beat myself up. You've ruined this evening with your friend, and you've not been a good friend. What is going on? And so ultimately, the thing that got me to think about my situation wasn't I don't feel well mentally. It was I've hurt my friend um and at least i thought i had that was Mm -hmm. that was how i felt about it and that was unacceptable because for some reason my own mental health wasn't important but being a good friend was Mm -hmm. Uh, which is just kind of the the place i was at so i got home uh, i needed to put some fuel in my car for the following day so i drove around to um, a local filling station and uh, on the drive over there i basically the egg cracked uh i'd been that evening sort of flirting with a few labels and trying to like put into a coherent thought uh what i thought this feeling was um helpfully um armed with some knowledge of lgbtq labels and trying to find one that seemed to be the right fitting box for for my experience um and i ended up turning the car around i couldn't get out of the car and stand on a on a on a petrol forecourt um even though it was the dead of night and no one else was there um and ended up driving home sort of with the realization in mind uh at one point i considered pulling over to just have a bit of a moment but pushed on because i thought well if i pull over into some you know lay by or little parking area on the side of the road i'm just going to bawl my eyes out i'm just going to cry and i don't know if i'm going to be able to drive home Mm -hmm. so That was, uh, that was quite an intense evening, uh, but it all kind of came into very sharp focus very quickly.
0: And then what was that, what was that next day? Like, what, what was it, what did it feel like for you once that all kind of settled and you realized, okay, um, it's, it's my gender. That's what this is about. And I need to do something about this.
1: It was such a huge revelation that it did not take me long to, to tell people. Yeah, but then the, the initial shock was swift. And then the realization that, okay, I want to act upon these thoughts. I want to start transitioning. Where do I even start with that? I really don't know. I need to do my research. I need to, you know, seek out other people's stories and see what of that resonates with me, what I might want to do, what I might not. Um, but I didn't want to do that alone I wanted to to tell people so within the first week um, I had a few conversations with some of my close friends and uh, my girlfriend and that was probably the hardest conversation at the time because I kind of in my head I had to make peace prior to that conversation with the notion that i am going to ring her up and we might not be in a relationship by the end of that phone call but if that's the consequence of this revelation for me that is one i'm willing to to accept Uh, it didn't go that way um we are still happily in a relationship Uh, she was uh as surprised as i was but accepting and willing to see what the you know the immediate future held um and then I think the following weekend, because we were we were long distance at the time, we were about 120 miles away, which in the UK is actually quite a big distance. Um, I know the US <laughs> distance kind of skews things, but um, okay. we were only seeing each other on the weekend, and I, we weren't actually due to be seeing each other that weekend. But she came back uh, to spend time with me and uh, to to you know to have some of these uh, very personal hard and intimate conversations in person um so she was she was right there with me on my side from day one that's Um, amazing yeah she's uh she's pan so it wasn't actually much of an issue uh Mm -hmm. she still loved me for the character and personality that i am and when she realized that this was really giving me life and sort of breathing a lot of energy into who i am then only strengthened our bond
0: Was there more involved in in coming to terms with with your identity um you know was what was that process for you in in accepting yourself and
1: moving forward with confidence i mean first it just stemmed from just having a good understanding that the way that i felt was correctly labeled and that i the first part was just really understanding yeah is this exactly what my experience is is this the label i want to use uh, and i probably did actually take a day sort of flirting with a few different labels uh, before realizing that transgender was definitely the one that resonated the most um and then i definitely recall a very strong sense of wow my life has gone from being pretty pedestrian to one of An immense uphill battle almost overnight and I think the the realization that um, I was gonna have to work super hard for a lot of people to kind of accept me uh, Mm -hmm. to feel valid myself within myself um, and to just kind of get to a point where I could feel a bit more comfortable in my skin was huge i think there was also an immediate realization that like you know a lot of my privilege had just evaporated as well there was always going to be some some aspects of my life that many people take for granted that i was now going to have to fight for Mm -hmm. um and healthcare was definitely going to be one of them so i think at the time not really having the understanding of all of those implications which i'm currently grappling with in real time um yeah it it still seemed like a lot um and there was there was a moment of like standing at the edge and 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 thinking to myself okay i could walk away from this and i could go back to how it was but you know that that that's just that's going to bring more misery and it's just going to be a form of denial and it's not going to satisfy or achieve anything i need to plunge myself into this but I'm kind of willingly bringing all of the the hurt and potential pain and hardship that comes with it. I have to choose to do that to myself. But I pushed myself into it because I really didn't see any alternative. Um, And then I think beyond that, once I realized that this is what I was going to do, I'm very much a um a big believer in a to-do list i'm the sort of person who tries to figure out what are the individual things that i need to do how do i achieve them what order do i achieve them in Mm -hmm. so as soon as i as soon as i was motivated to do it it was like okay well first step is telling people second step is probably yeah going to my uh doctors and uh seeing what my options are um I know that the way that trans healthcare works in this country tends to be um, uh, presenting before medication. So what can I do about that? How do I approach that? Um, Can I do that at work? Can I do that at home? And really just starting, um, just taking it one step at a time and um, seeing where my comfort levels were and yeah everything's ju- just suddenly everything was super scary <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah that's that's pretty common at that time did you have a particular role model or confidant something you could turn to for you know that had experience with any of this
1: yes i think i was uh i was quite fortunate uh to have um friendship with two trans individuals uh both trans femme um one of which that i'd fallen out of touch with by that point but i would say knowing her and her sharing her truth with me several years prior really gave me that context of what it is to be trans and what it is to be transitioning much further down the line than obviously where i was at square one uh, and seeing her absolutely thrive and that gave me First off, just the knowledge of what it was to be trans, but then also the knowledge that this is not like going to be a lost cause for me. You can absolutely be a successful, confident, happy person and be trans. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, one of my uh, one of my longtime friends, who I've known about ten years, uh, we met through video games, and uh, that friendship kind of became less of an online thing um she is trans um and yeah uh, she was one of the people that i went to uh, i didn't want to put words in her mouth and just kind of gave her a description of how i felt <laughs> and then at the end of the conversation she very sheepishly went well i don't want to put words in your mouth but i have a good feeling of what you know i've got a good idea of what i think you're feeling but i don't necessarily want to just say what that is i want you to come to your own realization and i think we were both trying to be protective of the exact same thing and i just said yeah i think i'm trans and she's like yeah that's what i that that was the impression i got (laughs) so uh it filled me with a lot of confidence in myself that uh, another sort of trans person that i knew very well and looked up into uh, looked up to in that moment kind of confirmed it for me though obviously how I feel about myself is all the confirmation I needed um it was still a very validating moment and knowing that she she was she would be there for me and we spent you know many a night talking about the nature of my feelings and what I might do about it and her experiences which we hadn't really talked about in depth were suddenly you know on the table um yeah very very fortunate to know such people
0: yeah that's amazing to have that person and and you know you you kind of uh, brush it aside but i do feel it's really important at least in those early stages to have that external validation because it's all internal you don't have a compass for this you know maybe you've kind of understood that that you know i'm trans but it still doesn't feel real in some ways it's still something that you have to explore yeah. and and understand. It takes time so having that early external validation really kind of sets you on that and and gives you the confidence to go okay I can move past this now and figure out what's next. How did coming out in the other areas go like at, at work and with your family?
1: Uh, initially it was individual conversations. I cherry picked a few people that I thought would react well to the news. Um, and who were important to me. Uh, I mentioned a close friend that I worked with, uh, who we, you know, we, we talked pretty much daily about anything really um so i had a uh a text chat message uh to her just kind of running through my thoughts Uh, i think i may have spoken to her before i'd even really settled on the transgender label um Mm. just to kind of sound out some ideas Uh, but then it was a string of um just catching people for 10 15 minutes at the end of the day or you know making a phone call um and within within a week Things moved very quickly for me, I would say, in in my sort of the immediate aftermath of this. Within a week, I'd spoken to five or six people yeah. uh, who it was really important that they knew. Uh, so next up was the family. Um, both of my parents are divorced. Uh, so that was two separate conversations. Um, both times I had my girlfriend there with me. Um, both times the conversation went really well. Uh, my mother and sister were present for the first um, they were again surprised I, I think that's a pretty common theme here because
0: uh,
1: I didn't see it coming my family certainly didn't um, and uh, yeah they were very supportive it was we love you no matter what uh, you're you're still part of the family you're still um, really precious to us we will figure this out and we're there for you uh, just kind of keep us in the loop uh, and then, literally the following day, I went and spoke to my my dad and his wife. Um, my dad was a touch quiet. Uh, uh, his 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 wife, my my stepmom, um, she did most of the talking, and she was sort of gushing with emotion and pride that that I, you know, had been so uh, brave to take such a step. And you know, there was a lot of expressed love there. Um, I asked my dad straight up why he was being so quiet, because uh, because it was a bit of a an, an unknown, and he was just he was just processing it in his own way. Uh, mm-hmm. He was very proud and supportive, but you know, again, the shock of it just kind of made him go a bit quiet. Yeah, um, I I came out at work probably three to four weeks after coming out to myself, mm-hmm. um, so it was a rapid roller coaster of a few weeks but I it was something I really wanted to get on with because I wanted to start presenting as as an authentic version of myself pretty quickly and start understanding and experimenting with that at work knowing that the people there would be very accepting so I I I asked because it was small, a small company of about twenty people. So I asked um, uh, a few people of, in the management layer, three or four people, uh, if we could have a meeting. Uh, actually, uh, initially I uh, spoke to my my manager, who then, on my behalf, set up a meeting. Um, and I I came prepared to that meeting with um, sort of things I wanted with regards to announcing that I was trans, and um, just things things that I wanted to sort of express, like this is how I feel, um, this is how I want people to refer to me, these are my pronouns, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and I got a really positive response. Uh, the, the CEO was present, and he, uh, in his personal life, knows uh, a transgender woman. Um, so he was super supportive, uh, very sympathetic um and i asked him if he would at the end of a fairly standard weekly all hands company meeting uh, if he would just say a little piece and then kind of pass over to me um, and i could speak a bit more um on how i felt and what i wanted from people Uh, and that went over really well there was a brief excruciating moment of silence and then a couple of my closer colleagues uh, spoke up in support and said, you know, it's super brave what you're doing. Um, You know, we'll absolutely accept you for who you are and, um, you know, anything we can do to help, just let us know. Wow. Um, So, yeah, it went over pretty well. I, I I only ever had, like, one incident at work where I didn't feel the acceptance as much, and that was just some absent-minded uh misuse of uh, pronouns um uh when because i work for a um web development agency so there's a lot of dealing with external clients who we're doing work for and i was moving onto a piece of work with a new client so typical sort of setup meet like meeting where it's like okay here's the client here's the people who are going to be doing the work say hi to each other um and my manager just kind of absentmindedly uh, used my now outdated pronouns. Uh, and uh, I was literally going to pull him into a meeting and and say, that is not cool. Please don't ever do that again. But um, one of the other people in the room beat me to it and berated him quite heavily and told him he needed to pull me back into the meeting room and apologize profusely. So people had my back um and he has been a model um ally ever since uh, i think he just needed that quick uh, kick up the butt uh, mm-hmm. to to realize that he he needed to be actively working at it but I've, I've always been pretty at least in the the first six months i've always been pretty chill about well people have known me a certain way for so mm. long yeah. it is it is human to air uh, there are going to be times when you use the wrong name or pronoun because it just rolls off the tongue that way. Just apologize, do not dwell on it too long, and let's just move on because I don't want to dwell on it any longer than you do.
0: <laughs> so was there anybody that supported you um, when you came out that surprised you or supported you in a way that was like more than you expected?
1: I had a few people at work who I genuinely didn't know whether they would be accepting. I think the scary thing when there's 20 people who you, you really need all of them to be on side to feel comfortable mm-hmm. is it just takes one person to give you a bad experience to kind of poison the well. Um, and I'd I'd identified and vocalized uh, to uh, to management when we were having conversations about this that I thought there would be a few people who I de- genuinely didn't know which way they'd go. Uh, and they were all absolutely wonderful and lovely. Um, usually the sort of people to make crude jokes. And I was worried that I would be the next crude joke. Yeah. Um, but they were just, yeah, absolute model allies. Never had any problems with them. Uh, and a couple of people who literally never even tripped up on my name or pronouns, um, which was just an absolute blessing.
0: So, with that great experience that you had and coming out, what was the the toughest conversation you had?
1: Uh, without a doubt, that was my um, my grandparents. So that was my uh, my mother's parents. So in our in our family dynamic, um, my grandparents are very much parental figures. Uh, we we used to go around for family dinner like once a week. That was just a very normal thing and i would drive quite far back from work to make that happen you know my hours were adjusted to make that happen uh, and it was always a big family event um i i knew it was going to be a tough conversation because my uh, my grandmother in particular was a very traditional person um and she was very much the sort who wore her heart on her sleeve if if she didn't get it or it wasn't something that she was comfortable with, she would tell you. Um, so I knew it was going to be a hard and frank conversation. I went with my my mother and girlfriend, and no, no, it was just it was just with my mum. Um, we sat in the car for a couple of minutes beforehand, and my mum like got quite teary because she knew it was going to be a hard conversation, and she knew my my grandmother was going to get emotional and she was going to have to be there to help her through it um probably not my mother's finest moment realizing that perhaps i also wasn't feeling great about the whole thing um (laughs) but yeah we we went in and you know there's something jess wants to talk to you about uh so yeah i came out uh the immediate reaction from the pair of them was one of loss um and it was it was actually honestly unexpected um to have such a strong negative reaction uh it kind of felt like a death in the family had just been announced um their their stance was somewhere between i there's something wrong with me to um um yeah so i I think the thing the one phrase that my grandmother said that will always stick with me was uh and if you just give me a second i'll try and quote this as accurately as possible um i used to think that i had six perfect grandchildren but one has fallen off the step Um, and that was her way of saying that what i was expressing to her was a failure Not just my failure, but her failure as a grandmother. Um, And it was very interesting as the conversation developed because they saw this as a great sadness um, and there were tears. um, And they were asking questions like, you know, what's your plan? The idea of like hormones and potential surgeries in my future was like very shocking to them and very visceral. Um, one of the questions my grandmother asked which I actually found quite entertaining was what is this going to do for your career prospects in her mind the only answer that I could give to that question was I'm going to really struggle to to get promoted or to get a new job in future but I I I said, well, it is going to affect my career prospects, but quite frankly, I work in software development and typically speaking, most of the companies that I've interacted with are very pro-LGBTQ, very pro-diversity, and frankly, being trans is appealing to them. Um, And I don't believe that it's going to hinder my career. It certainly hasn't. I've been promoted twice since then um so i think their old world mindset suddenly crashed headfirst into i i'm going to struggle with this but actually my life is not going to be held back in the ways that you think it's going to be yeah so their their worldview had to adjust very quickly Mm -hmm. um i i know following that meeting uh my my grandmother's uh two other children uh came to her separately and one of them my auntie um had a very stern conversation with her saying you need to be better because jess needs you to be you know to be accepting um Mm -hmm. and she to my my grandmother's credit uh, as much as i don't think she still really got it um right up to her final days um, she still trapped me like any of her other grandkids. And yeah. the love was always apparent. I think it just took her a moment to check her worldview and uh, and adjust. Well,
0: I think it, it's, you know, to be expected with somebody, you know, in the older generation, the, the further you go back, the harder it is. I mean, you know, when I was young, yeah. um, it, it took me a very long time. I, I didn't come out until my thirties uh, and uh, late thirties, basically. Um, and up until then, trans, transgender was not a word that I really knew or, or understood. Um, so yeah. even at that late stage for me, it was, it was new and kind of hard to deal with. So I can't even imagine, you know, um, my parents have a uh, struggle with it. Grandparents. Yeah. It's, it's very difficult. Um, yeah. it's, it's wonderful that you had all these people around you, supporting you, your, your parents, your, your aunt like that, that that's amazing. I'm so happy that that was the experience you had.
1: Um, yes and i am I feel very privileged i know this is not the experience of all transgender people i do count my blessings that i've had such an excellent um start to my transition it was it really set me up for success uh, but it made me know that i was loved and i could pursue this uh without prejudice
0: mm-hmm. so jumping over to our kind of bigger more ethereal question now sure. that you've been through it a little wa- little ways what does transition look like for you or you know on a deep level what does it
1: mean to you i really think it's about defying societal expectations and just forging your own identity no matter what anyone else might say i think um prior to my transition I had a very vague idea of who I was as a person, but it never really resonated with me. Being trans is kind of... It's a bit like sculpting. Uh, You have a a big block of material and you're slowly uh, chipping away at it. You know that who you are is under there um, and the, the harder you... Like, the more you work at it, the more time you spend at it, the more time you spend living your truth, uh, the more of that material you chip away until you find the person underneath. Um, and I think at the beginning of my transition, I had ideas of who I was um, in terms of like how I felt about myself and what femininity meant to me. Um, and I think as time has gone on, I've... Being able to confirm that some of that is the case, but also my notion of my transness has kind of morphed a bit. I think to be honest, my relationship with gender has got a bit more complicated because um I've kind of I'm sort of falling into a more recent mindset of well, gender kind of feels like a bit of a construct at the best of times, and really transition for me is just making myself. Um, not just accepting what I was told uh, through my upbringing, but very much looking at all aspects of my personality and my outwards appearance and really just going for it. Um, just doing what I can to to realize my sort of almost artistic vision. Um, that this is how I feel about myself and this is how I want to be perceived and I want people to think about me. And just making that happen unapologetically um, in some cases.
0: With that perspective that you've gained from your transition and from, you know, learning those things about yourself, how do you feel that that has helped you in your personal life or your career?
1: I think it's really given me a, a deep appreciation for just how fragile and precious life can be and how... Many of the things that people get worked up about in the grand scheme of things are very trivial. you know we're all we're all just people who you know look up to our um sort of um sort of authority figures at a young age and think that everyone has all of their 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 they're stuffed together that they know exactly what they're doing with life and as you get older you realize that actually everyone's winging it um nobody really knows where their life's going to go and that to be honest is part of the fun of it Mm -hmm. so why not just live for yourself live authentically um make the most of your time here um try not to get bogged down too much in the mundane and the day-to-day and really do the things that make you happy Um, One of those things for me is just realizing who I am, Um, you know, putting on some makeup, wearing a cute dress, um, growing out my hair, having it dyed an outlandish color uh, and having that become part of who I am and how people recognize me, because why not? Uh, It's fun and it brings a smile to... Uh, the kid in the supermarket's uh, face as they walk past him, you know, you hear them go, Oh, their hair's so cool. Because, yeah, I, I just love bringing joy to people mm. in, in unexpected ways. Um, I think career wise, it's made me um, um, really appreciate, particularly in my line of work, where quite often I'm. Uh, I'm I'm working on websites or apps that many different people are going to consume. It's just made me realize just how many different perspectives and experiences people have. Um, I was very fortunate in 2019, in about September, to do a talk uh, in my local city in front of a a room full of developers. Uh, And the talk was titled, um, Web Design That Doesn't Make Trans People Uncomfortable. And the whole talk was just, if you are setting up a service where people register, allow them to change their email address. Because, hey, my dead name was in my old email address and some companies wouldn't let me change my email address. So now I don't do business with those companies. It was things like that. Um, And it just makes you realize that, you know, if you don't work with someone who has site issues or work with someone... um, who has, you know, learning or disability needs um, or, you know, struggles to read, then how do you make a product that caters to everyone, that is accessible to everyone? Um, so I think the, the more perspectives that you, you have, the better. And I try my hardest where the opportunities present themselves to be that trans voice, you know? hey guys, we're building this website where people sign up and they put in their gender, male and female is not good enough anymore. We need more, a more robust set of options um, because I wouldn't feel comfortable looking at that. Um, and that's the first impression people are going to have of your service. So, yeah, just sometimes you have to be the advocate and uh, sometimes you have to, you know, send a few emails and be persistent about it. And occasionally people come to you for advice uh, in the first instance, but uh, that's in my experience, the exception.
0: So um, as you've gone through your journey, did you have a particular plan or anything set out and have your goals changed as you've moved
1: along? Um, so initially I was most concerned with um, clothing, makeup or i was uh, i was very much a big believer in avoiding wigs it reminded me too much of my cross-dressing days and it didn't feel very authentic um that's obviously just my experience Um, but it was initially i was most concerned with socially transitioning i wanted to be able to go out and do the things that i normally did so i started the slow process of building up my confidence Going out in public for the first time. Um, I remember the first time I showed up at work in a skirt, um, and that was that was big for me. That was very. It was as much about my personal comfort level as it was making a statement about who I was, uh, and having people take that very seriously. Um, but right from the early days as well, I you know I had one eye on medical medically transitioning. Um, uh, anyone who knows anything about uh, trans healthcare in the UK uh knows that it is slow uh if you go through uh the national health service the nhs which is um you know it is tax funded it is free at the point of use Mm -hmm. um there are very long and very demeaning waiting lines to so much as have a consultation i am still in that process three years later i do not see a light at the end of the tunnel um But instead, and in my privileged position uh, with the career that I have, I opted to go private. So you pay, but you get seen pretty rapidly. Um, And so I work with a a gender specialist uh, who is in Edinburgh. So I take a a two-and-a-half-hour drive up to Edinburgh every three months. Um, I receive um, hormone replacement therapy uh, in the form of tablets and an injection Uh, that has been working wonders for me Uh, it has been um, really increasing my confidence and I've been seeing the face in the mirror that I want to see Um, I kind of have one eye on um, uh, surgeries but to be honest I'm I'm not 100% sure what I want to do with that quite yet I kind of feel like I'm a few years out from really making a decision on that Uh, Uh, it's quite ironic
0: are you doing the um, the thing that some people have done? I've heard in the UK where you go the private route for um, you know HRT and to get things started, but at the same time going through the line um, with the health service to um, you know in in the case that in two years you'll you'll be right in line and ready for that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely it. This is a stopgap method. So right now, I can get private healthcare, but as soon as the NHS catch up and they see me, uh, I'll be able to present to them everything I've done so far, the medication I'm on, and in theory, they should be able to go. Oh yeah, we'll we'll cover that for you. Uh, so we'll do basically the same treatment, uh, but rather than paying, you know, quite notable sums of money for some of the medication and the the actual consultation time as well with it being private healthcare, uh is 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 also notable uh it'll be virtually free um very small costs just for prescriptions um but yeah i i wanted to get on with it um i needed to medically transition for my own sake Mm -hmm. simple as that um yeah it's uh i I was just going to say despite my very early and quick start to proceedings i've kind of mellowed out a bit and so i'm not i'm not chomping at the bit to get on with surgeries i'm still very much um trying to figure out what i would like if anything um and not rush into a decision there
0: do you feel um or have you heard any kind of rumblings of other people in the trans community there that these long lines the lack of of physicians in the system the lack of care that's available the weight that you have to go through do you feel that's sort of a, a form of institutional transphobia or you know fight push back against um, trans people or is it just um, an ineptitude
1: yes and no i think First off, it's important to understand that the the system in the UK, or in, in, in England at least, because in the different home countries, uh, there are different uh, practices. But typically speaking, in the UK, you have uh, gender clinics. Uh, they are in some of the major cities, and you um, are referred by your local doctor to one of them. Uh, I'm quite fortunate that I don't have to go very far for my closest, but I've not had an appointment with them yet, so it's a bit of a moot point. Um, and when all of that was set up, they were built at a scale that presumably was appropriate at the time, but with, um, further, um, um, awareness around trans issues and, you know, more people sharing their trans stories and sort of the advance of social media in that regard. Um, I think just a lot more people are realizing that what they're feeling is that, And they're seeking medical help so the amount of patients on the waiting list has skyrocketed quite frankly but what hasn't happened is the funding has been adjusted to match that so we have funding levels which would have been appropriate five or more years ago still being applied now when the waiting list is not manageable with that sort of capacity bandwidth and funding But I I definitely... So I think that's kind of like a a matter of circumstance. It obviously requires a decision for something to happen, but not making a decision is a decision in itself. And I do think that the current government here in the UK um, are sort of willfully negligent in that sense. Um, And I've kicked the the can down the road several times. Um, But uh, I think just today, possibly... Uh, There is a high court case being brought against the NHS um, by a variety of people and charities who are arguing that the waiting list is pretty much inhumane Mm -hmm. um, and are challenging why this is being allowed because within the NHS there are waiting list targets that apply to all areas of the NHS uh, regardless of specialty and the gender clinic is one specialist area. Uh, but it is a target which is missed in 99.9% of cases, and that is just an accepted fact. Um, so the the question is being raised: why why isn't this target being applied? Why are other areas of treatment uh, being scrutinised quite heavily when they miss their targets? But this is just an accepted norm, and I think it's hard to answer that question without talking about like institutionalised. Um, uh, bias
0: yeah yeah it's, it's pretty tough to defend when you've got those numbers 90 plus percent of of the time they're missing that mark that's that's just terrible
1: yeah. Um i mean i expect my weight on the waiting list to be at least four years and obviously covid hasn't helped any because there were there have been periods over the last few years where the gender clinics have just shut down we are not taking new patients right now Um, so what happens, well, the waiting list doesn't go down, but people continue to, you know, add themselves to the end of that list. It's, it's ridiculous.
0: So moving back to your story specifically, what were, um, you mentioned, you know, the fear of initially, you know, coming out and dressing, wearing the skirt the first time at work, what were some of the other key fears that you ran into along your transition and how did you overcome those?
1: backlash in public was definitely one of those things that i mean to this day it is not a, a, a an area that i don't think about uh, but in the early days when i feel like my appearance uh, kind of betrayed how i felt about myself um i had a lot of uh, hang-ups with just existing in public mm. uh, i think at one point i expressed this to my girlfriend as Um, You know, if you take the two options on the table, one is present masculine, uh, the advantage of which is I feel safe in public, the disadvantage of which is I hate myself, or present the way that I want to, and the advantage is I feel happy, and the disadvantage is I get looked at weirdly, people passing on the street mutter things under their breath at me. Um... And I think calling it a fear makes it sound hypothetical because I have definitely had derogatory comments leveled at me uh, by complete strangers. Um, but I also think that I have intentionally developed quite a thick skin to it. I think it's i I would describe it as a sadness that you have to kind of put your blinkers on and let your peripheral vision fade away um and just kind of concentrate on the thing you're doing and just ignore the person across the street who has turned and looked at you and frowned um but i used to i used to go to work via public transport i used to take a light rail which is effectively subway uh, when it arrives in the city center um and so you know you're you're on a train you you're standing or sitting in a space with a bunch of other people who just due to the layout uh, are all kind of looking at slash beyond each other and trying not to make eye contact but there would be you know a week where every single part of my commute there would be someone staring for too long and then I would look at them they would look away as soon as they thought I wasn't looking anymore they would look again Um, and initially it was scary uh, but it got to the point and I think it's at the point now where if people do that to me I will just glare at them (laughs) um i've i've kind of i've just got fed up with it um i want them to feel as uncomfortable as i felt when i was first trying to uh, to take those brave steps outside um so that was that was very much um you know one of the big challenges i think um yeah i've already talked about it but the healthcare side of it just trying to navigate all of that and know what my options are and um you know trying to make sure that things are happening in good time and I'm you know making good decisions was very stressful. Um, there was you know a degree of um having my identification changed, um, which was actually pretty painless. Um, but there was a lot of documentation that needed to be completed in very specific ways. um and you know, I leaned on a few people in the family who uh, who were quite good at that sort of thing to, to help me push through it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I also worried about like losing friends. Um, there is a few, there are a few people that I've fallen out of touch with, but it's not because of um, like transphobia or unwillingness to, you know, adjust their perception of me. Um, it's more, there are, there were a number of people I associated with in a sort of, masculine manner where it's like oh we are we are mates we are male friends and this is what we do and i've just dispensed with all of that and actually it turns out that there wasn't really much more going on than just a bit of a bit of masculinity and bravado and so we really don't have anything to talk about anymore Mm. but my gosh you know i the amount of new friends i've made has been staggering um through through instagram initially i think that's where i found my trans community um i, I know a few people in person now as well because i'm not i don't go to a lot of in-person events locally because i have online community um and at the top of the show you mentioned that i am a big dungeons and dragons nerd and i run um two uh, dungeons and dragons campaigns exclusively with uh, people of trans experience which mm-hmm. is which is amazing and gives me so much life. And it's great to have that sort of space where we can all express ourselves and not have to worry about how other people are perceiving us, it's it's lovely.
0: Yeah, that sort of ties into the next question I had, which is, uh, is there anything that you feel you've been able to accomplish because of your transition?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big one. Uh, I also mentioned the talk that I was able to give, that was very well received. Um, off the back of that, talk there were some people there from the department for work and pensions which is a government agency that does things like um um like uh job tax and um uh, unemployment benefits and things like that and they invited me to their offices in the local area um which is one of their biggest offices in the country uh, to give the talk again in front of a bunch of their developers, and there were a few trans members of staff in the audience for that. Um, and I, I, I got the opportunity to have some conversations after that um, about the challenges that they faced with legacy systems, where, for example, um, you know a gender marker is required, and it is male or female, and they wanted to move away from that. Um or one one component of my talk as well was, um um you know Mr., Mrs. Ms, that sort of thing uh, is also a bit problematic, particularly with non-binary people uh, who may often choose something else. so if you give them a limited option, it's not very inclusive. Um, and you know the, they're making considerations like old people like that, um and they f- they find it to be more official. So you know it's not it's not always an easy conversation to get government to to change their ways, but I was very proud and honored to have the opportunity to feed into that, even if it was just a little um mm. yeah and then and then d and d it's just been fantastic. I think uh I've really found my voice and my creativity sort of in my transition through that um It's really helped me come to terms with um i i actually don't really care about having a deep voice and i kind of own that when playing D&D. Uh i put on the accents i modulate my voice a little bit um i really try not to get hung up on not having the perfect feminine voice mm-hmm. um and it's really made me think twice about whether i even want to do a uh, voice coach like voice training um because it's it's a part of me that I'm actually not too bothered about.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. You know, yeah, that you you find that sense of self and find that confidence in your identity that, you know, this is me and this is how I'm going to present as me and, and I am good enough. It's sort of that wonderful place to get to in your journey, as opposed to where you start, where you need all this outside validation and you need this like assurance that you're okay and and you set all these goals for yourself. And that's why I had that question in there as well, that you put all these things in front of you that like you have to do and you have to tick all these boxes and essentially you fall right into that same pattern of like, now that I'm, I, you know, if you're, if you're a binary trans person, um, I've changed to this gender and now I have to fall into all of these stereotypes. Yeah. Um, it's a really easy trap to fall into. And it's great when you get to that point of like, no, no, this is, these are the things I want to be. And, um, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. happy with myself.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very much rooted in external validation of myself. Um, you know, I want to look a certain way because I want people to think of me a certain way. Um, and I think if I were to go back in time three years and speak to myself, you know, on the precipice of that transition, making plans for what to do, and I was to say, look, I've not done voice training. I don't know if I'm going to have surgery um, and things like that. I think they would be like, wait, did you give up? You know, no, (laughs) I've just I've just decided I've just had time to think and I've decided that these are the things that are really important to me. And these things aren't. Um, But, you know, you have to go through the process to to really understand yourself and understand uh, what makes you who you are. Mm
0: -hmm. What is your favorite thing that you've learned through your journey, either about
1: yourself or the world? I think about the world Uh, there is a lot of compassion and love um and 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 i think the thing that i hadn't really realized prior to having a sense of trans community is just how much love there can be for people you've never met for people that you don't know um and you know you can you can express on social media that you're having a bad day and someone who's never spoken to you before will just pop in with with a heart or, you know, they'll send you a a short message saying, you know, thinking about you today. Um, Just, you know, that little, that little checkup. Um, And it's been, it's been absolutely wonderful. I think, you know, the the kindness of people can be limitless. Um, And I, I, I try to to live through those values that other people have um, um, demonstrated to me and just stop where i can and just be encouraging of people and uh try and try and show people love where i can um and then about myself i think um i i to be honest pre-transition i was a pretty miserable boring person and i think i've realized just how much color there is in in my life um and i don't just mean my hair um (laughs) i think I think I am the sort of person who likes to just make people laugh. Uh, if that means being goofy or, you know, in D&D just, you know, cracking a good joke or putting on a silly accent or something like that. Um it just yeah, it it brings me no end of satisfaction to see people um, you know, come away from an interaction with me with a smile. Um so yeah, I just didn't realize I had a capacity for that.
0: Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for younger closeted trans folks out there?
1: One thing that is very easy to get away from, particularly early in transition or when you're on the edge of like looking into that journey is yes, there are potentially a lot of steps to it, but you know, it is, it is a one step at a time journey. Um, you go at your own pace Um You go in the order that you wish. But I think the the metaphor that worked for me in my transition was transitioning is a bit like building a brick wall. You can't build the top of the brick wall without building the bottom. And you build it one brick at a time. You take as long as you want laying each brick. The wall will wait for you. Um, But when you start laying bricks, you realize that you can lay more bricks. for me it was little things it was going outside presenting for the first time it was telling people my truth um and i think you know you 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 don't have to worry too much about oh gosh what's this going to be like in a year's time what's the rest of my life going to look like do it for you do it on your own terms um start small don't put too much pressure on yourself it's okay to fail um, you know, if you, if you try to do something and it doesn't work out to think on why that is, don't give up. Um, and if now is not your time, then tomorrow is always coming.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the transgender show from the transverse network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse. And later on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the transverse. We've got great new merch in our Etsy store. Go to thetransverse.etsy.com to shop today. If you love what we're doing and want to help support The Transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com thetransverse.